This program is made possible by freemasonryart.com. Have you ever been watching a movie and you notice that one of the characters has a Masonic ring? Or perhaps in the background you can see a Masonic lodge? Or in the dialogue you hear someone casually mention the Freemasons and their influence in the world? On today's episode, we will be talking to a man who is an actor, writer, and producer of films that don't casually mention Freemasonry, but make it one of the main characters. You are listening to The Winding Stairs, episode 12. You have arrived at The Winding Stairs, a program dedicated to Masonic education and the art of self-improvement. I am your host, Juan Sepulveda, a professional artist and master mason, 32nd degree of the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite in Freemasonry. Today I have the pleasure to speak with a man who wears many hats, a hardworking and inspiring man who is an actor, a writer, a film producer, among many other things. He also has dedicated countless hours to the service of our beloved fraternity. He's a member of the Scottish Rite, the York Rite, a member of the Shrine, and a life member of the Grotto. Brother Joseph James, welcome to The Winding Stairs. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, we certainly have been hearing a lot about your upcoming movie, The Freemason. And I'm very excited, and you've probably seen it. I write several things about it in the on Facebook and on different media. But hopefully we get to learn a little bit more about what the project is and the road that has taken you to this project. One question I had to to open the, the interview, what is your earliest memory of a movie that you went to see in the on the big screen? Do you remember? Yeah, I, actually, that's no one's ever asked me that question. I do remember it. It was uh, Willow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. It had Val Kilmer yes. in it, and uh, it was kind of set in the medieval times. And uh, yeah, I just I remember going, and uh, the, the the movie was just. I mean, the special effects were so advanced regarding that time period, and uh, the movie, uh, you know, just had so much. Uh, it was just really powerful. So yeah, I'd have to say Willow. And if any of you haven't seen it, you should check it out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely one of those that it's going to be easier for us to find on on VHS than on, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I really uh, I yeah. remember that I remember that movie when when it came out. Uh, I think we were about the same age, so I didn't go to see it in the theater, but I know that we rented it inside in the house. Yeah. And, Films were were so much different back then, made differently, and uh, it's got a lot of good um, good moments where you really see, you know, people tested as far as their integrity, and people uh, are tested for their loyalty, and and so that's that was one of the things that always stuck with me. Whoever wrote it did a good job. How early do you remember thinking about the movie business? I think that's what separates me from a lot of people is that, uh, you know, up until about five years ago, I, I had no interest in it. Uh, you know, most people go to film school. Uh, most people have family members in the business. Uh, you know, I, I ran many businesses, you know, uh, going back to the time I was, you know, in college, you know, in my early 20s. 
and uh, really just was a you know a, a, your average movie watcher. And uh, you know after running several businesses and uh, going through uh, yeah, all different kinds of uh, scenarios, I got married in uh, 2008, and my wife and I were living in Portland. And uh, I had gotten so involved in the Scottish Rite degrees and the Master Mason degrees that I had really almost become obsessed with it. <laughs> That's great. I mean, I loved playing the parts, and, you know, most of the gentlemen were, were older. And uh, because I wasn't married, you know, uh, before, you know, uh, I had, you know, I joined around, you know, 2003 or somewhere around there. And so when I joined, I was single, I owned my own business, I had lots of freedom, you know, no obligations. And so I just devoted my my life pretty much to, to masonry. I would go to every every meeting, you know, possible. And so one night I was at the shrine and the next night I'm doing a master mason degree and the next night I'm I'm at the Scottish Rite doing the fourteenth degree for the reunion. You know, it just it just was uh, it was incredible. And when I would you know, uh, reenact these uh, degrees that we go through, I really would try to get into it rather than just repeating the lines. And so the older gentleman started saying, you know, why aren't, why aren't you into acting? You know, and I said, well, you know, I never really thought about it. I had never taken theater uh, in school or anything like that. But it just gave me such a, uh, you know, such a rush to be able to, to, to do that. And so uh, my wife and I, you know, talked, and we had just had our first son, and I said, you know what, we've got a little bit of money, let's just pack up and uh, move to Hollywood and wow. try it out. That's amazing. <laughs> and I can't believe she said yes, and so we we loaded up everything we owned into a, you know, big 26-foot U-Haul, and we just drove to Hollywood and got a, you know, a little apartment in, in North Hollywood where everybody kind of starts out, and that's, the rest is kind of history. That's wonderful. Would you say that that moment when you actually made the decision of okay honey let's let's pack and go that little bit of fear that that accompanies that moment do you see that almost as a recurrent event in the different businesses that you had in your life all the other decisions that you made in the past it, were they accompanied by that kind of fear and uncertainty uh, not as not as much uh, you know most of the businesses that I had you know, uh, you know, ran and started and sold and things like that, uh, were, were not as risky or as exhilarating, you know, as, uh, as acting as, uh, you know, the movies, you know, show business. And so it was a different, uh, you know, experience than, than anything. And just, you know, going to Hollywood and being one of, you know, thousands and thousands who show up there, you know, probably every day from all over the world. I mean, I don't know how many people go there and try to make it, mm -hmm. uh, but it is the toughest, most grueling, uh, you know, profession to try to make it in that, you know, that I could think of because you have so many competitors and you have people willing to do just about anything to be famous, to, to, to become, you know, working actors and, uh, and and producers and so you know I saw it all and I had to work you know essentially for free for over a year I mean I would I would take any job that I could get I was an extra most of the time just on a big movie you know you wouldn't even know who I was I was just one of the guys walking around in the background 
you know, that was kind of blurry. And then some, you know, every now and again, I'd get a speaking line or, you know, I'd have a, a role on a TV show or something. And I kind of worked myself, uh, you know, up the food chain. And then um, when I got my er, a big break or when things changed for me is when I decided to change over from just being an actor to actually, you know, producing a film from uh, scratch. And uh, that's when everything changed because, you know, then I was responsible for acquiring the screenplay and hiring the actors and, you know, hiring the director and producing the actual movie and then hiring the editors to edit it and then promoting it and then finding a distributor to sell it and then actually convincing the public to buy it. So all of those steps, you know, can take, you know, weeks and, and months and it's it's a huge, huge process that... Uh, it's the reason why, you know, big studio films take two or three years uh, to make, you know, when it's a Disney film or Warner Brothers. I mean, they, they have 100 or 200 people working for three years mm -hmm. just to get that movie finished. Well, I listen to you and I hear some parallels with the things that we study in, in the craft. The idea that you have to begin as an apprentice kind of level. That's that's that moment where you're starting to learn the very basic, the groundwork and beginning associating with people that have more more time, more experience. You start emulating how they do things. This program is brought to you in part by FreemasonryArt.com. I invite you to visit FreemasonryArt.com if you want to buy some Masonic related products interested in getting something nice for yourself, or if you're thinking of getting a Freemason a gift, this is the perfect place for you. We even shipped directly to the recipient, including a personalized note from you. Simply tell us what you want us to write in the comment section at checkout. We also have Masonic regalia, including our composite apron. This is a very elegant apron. You can see it if you visit freemasonryart.com. And remember that every purchase that you made through freemasonryart.com helps keep this program going. If you enjoy this program and you have Masons to get gifts for this year, head on to freemasonryart.com. One thing that we hadn't talked about was that the fact that you memorized the Master Mason lectures and the Entered Apprentice lectures. And I, I think it was over 50 times or so that you were able to deliver those, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I never kept track of it, but uh, I was fortunate to be mentored by a brother named Bill Larson, and he he, uh, he used to contribute uh, articles to the Working Tools uh, magazine way back when it first came out. And so he was a 33rd degree, and he was in every, you know, uh, you know, organization possible, and he was retired, and so he took me under his wing. And he was there for my initiation and, you know, was, you know basically... Uh, just taught me, you know, everything he knows. And he was one of the few in Portland who, who knew all three lectures. And when you're doing a lot of degree work, I mean, uh, it's uh, those Masons who are listening, you know how hard it is to assemble a, an entered apprentice degree or especially a master Mason degree. And so, you know, at the time, there, there weren't that many people in Portland who could really, you know, do the lecture and make sure that all the people were there and make sure that it was all done right. And one of those guys was Bill Larson. And so 
first I started just going along and watching, and then, you know, I would get a, a role in the Master Mason degree as, you know, one of the three ruffians or something, you know, and cool. and uh, then he, he just, you know, there was something I never thought I could do was give the lecture. I had never even thought about it, and then he challenged me to memorize the first half of the Entered Apprentice, and he said, just do that for me. So I spent weeks and weeks and weeks, and I finally had that done, and then I memorized the second half, and then... Uh, then all of a sudden I was giving the entered apprentice lecture sometimes, you know, several times a week, uh, we would just go around and sometimes we'd get a call like that night and they would say, Oh, you know, we, we need someone, you know, the guy who was giving the lecture is sick or something. And, uh, then I eventually learned the master Mason lecture and I put my own kind of spin on it to where I would get really animated and, I don't know if you've, you know, seen sometimes all that information getting presented to a master mason is so overwhelming that, you know, it just, it's almost impossible to just take it all in, you know? I mean, I remember when I got the master mason degree, I I barely could even remember, you know, what they were talking about. Yes, I know. (laughs) You know, because it was like... Uh, you know, the degree is so long and so comprehensive. So what I would do is try to use hand gestures and, you know, point to the different symbols in the lodge that accompanied what I was talking about. And the result was was uh, phenomenal because people would stay alert. They would learn new things. Even people in the, you know, in the audience, the, the Masons, you know, would say, oh, you know, I never even thought about that until you said it this way or, or whatnot. That's great. So, I really enjoyed it, and, you know, those were some of the best days of my life, and, you know, I knew it was going to come to an end, you know, because I knew I was going to get married someday, and, you know, now I got two kids, and uh, so I can't spend, you know, near the the amount of time, you know, that I did back then, but it was it was just incredible. I'll never forget it. That's That's wonderful. It always surprised me. First, it scared me. The amount of information that I knew that I would have to memorize at first to participate in a degree, let alone sit in the East and actually uh, lead the the degree, that to me was frightening. And I approached it on a step-by-step approach. And I remember thinking, well, if I get involved as as a steward, then, you know, I'll begin learning a little bit of the footwork, uh, the floor work, and then maybe next time I can do something a little bit more involved. And that's exactly what I did. Step by step, I continued to move uh, through the different degrees from one chair to another and becoming more involved and learning more about it. And then looking back, all the information that I had acquired about each degree, it, it blew my mind that I could... I knew what steps and what words for each um, each role within the degree. And I, I encourage brothers that um, are starting or people that are interested in the in the fraternity or they're submitting their petitions, if they get an opportunity to be a part of the degree, to try to find that same approach because our mind is able to do incredible things. I, I still haven't memorized the lectures, so I commend you on that. I think that's that's incredible. Um, but I really look forward to the moment where I can actually do that. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, just like you were talking about in the movie business as far as, you know, equating it to the entered apprentice. I mean, that's that's how masonry is, is you know, structured with, you know, the rough ashlar 
you know, in our entire lives were, were rush out, you know, rough ashlers, you know, being perfected. And, um, and yeah, one of the things I would encourage people who are thinking about joining or, or who are, you know, new members, one of the best things you can do is, is find a mentor. I mean, that was really, um, that was what was the most important part of my Masonic, uh, you know, upbringing and experience is that if you find a really good mentor who, who is essentially a perfect ashlar and who is, been through that uh they can they can help you understand and you know derive so much from masonry you know uh, that it's a lot different than just trying to figure it out uh on your own and i was just fortunate that portland uh it just had a a, a large you know a large population of those types of, of gentlemen and, and still does i haven't been there for many years i live in utah now but uh, you know, uh, I'm sure that it's the same in, in every, you know, city and, and places all over the country. And so, and I commend you as well for your radio show. I mean, you know, when I first joined, there was nothing, nothing like this. I mean, uh, there was, there were barely any books. There were no TV shows. There were no, uh, you know, there were no Discovery Channel, uh, History Channel, uh, you know, documentaries that explain almost everything within one hour. And so, you know we've come a long way in the last ten years, and uh so it's it's incredible that now you have this podcast where you know people from anywhere in the world can you know can listen and I think that all these things really help our organization and, and uh it's only going to get stronger and uh we're only going to be able to do better things you know for, instead of just constantly trying to either uh, defend, uh, you know, the history of masonry yes. or to try to, you know, enlighten people about the, the facts of masonry that maybe they just have never had explained to them or they haven't read about or whatnot. Yeah, we, we definitely are fortunate that we have access to so many different mediums to communicate regarding Freemasonry. When I started uh, in the fraternity, I tried, I was so thirsty for information, and I did find some sources, but now it seems like it, the growth is exponential, and hopefully the brothers don't take it for granted that they they do follow the advice like what you just gave about finding a mentor. I think that's crucial. It's so important that you not only have someone helping you memorize catechism or or anything like that, but also that you have a mentor that can help you understand a little bit more about what's happening because there's there's no point in just repeating what you know what we're saying like you said we have to put emotion behind it we have to help the brothers get engaged and understand what one thing means versus another as opposed to just listening to something being monotonously repeated so we definitely are fortunate that we have access to these things and thank you for your for your compliment it, it is a true honor to be part of this this program it helps me tremendously because i am focused on learning a lot of things and i'm able then to share them with with brothers and i thank you again for taking the time to speak with us because you through your story i'm sure there's someone out there that's perhaps thinking about making a change in their life whether it's a new job moving to a different city and that's a big move that's a big change in in life and hearing from somebody that has done that before, I think it's very motivating. Would you say that in your transition, was it very important to you the the support of your of your family, the support of your friends? Um, or did you 
did you meet a lot of resistance? You already said that your wife supported you, but how about the rest of your family and friends? Yeah, no, I had the support of both her family and mine. I mean, obviously, her family was a little bit more uh, stressed out about it than, than mine were. I mean, they knew that I could, you know, I could, uh, I was going to deal with, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the, the result was going to be fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, I and I really, I'm grateful that her her parents uh, were okay with it because we were newlyweds. Uh, you know, just barely, I mean, my son, I can't remember how old he was, but he, he hadn't, he, I think he, he could have been maybe six weeks old or maybe wow. a couple months old. I can't remember, but, uh, yeah, they, they supported it and they, they've supported my, my entire, you know, film, uh, film endeavor, all my movies, uh, they're, they're just great people. So, That's great. uh, you know, and all my Masonic brothers as well. I mean, even though, you know, I haven't seen some of them for, you know, five, six, seven years, uh, we still stay in contact and a bond of brotherhood, you know, never goes away. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that if I, you know, I went to one of my lodges, my, my home lodge in Portland or back to the shrine or the Scottish Rite in Portland, it, it would be like we didn't even, you know, miss a day, That's uh, great. you know, because those, all those guys are still there putting in the work, doing amazing charity work, raising new apprentices so it's it's just uh, you know freemasonry is joining is one of the best decisions i've ever made it changed my whole life really wow. i mean i was kind of a you know just a, a wanderer you know uh, you know had no understanding of some of the core principles that are taught within freemasonry mm-hmm. and i didn't actually get them until you know several years in but you know, it really, really helped me just become a better person overall, less selfish, less judgmental, um, you know, more uh, more intrinsic as far as trying to really think about the meaning of life and, the, you know, the history going back to Solomon's Temple. I mean, that's what you'll find in, in all of my movies. All They, they all center uh, around the, the history of Solomon's Temple and, and that kind of being the birthplace of uh of freemasonry and you know in the freemason there's a famous quote where the uh the grandmaster is answering questions from an investigative journalist and the, the the journalist says you know who is Hiram Abiff you know who is this person and he says well we consider him to be the godfather of you know freemasonry hmm. and uh and so yeah That's you know good. so taking everything that i learned you know within the fraternity not only trying to Im- implement it in my life, but um, now implementing it into these films. I really hope that people will see the movies, that it will inspire them to, you know, look at masonry, examine it, talk to people about it. And that was probably the main reason that I started doing it. Now, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, hoping to continue to make a living doing it, you know, and having it as a career. And uh, And so it's... It's been it's been pretty amazing how how people have responded to the films. Prepare yourself for another installment of Masonic Conspiracies by Robert Johnson from Whence Came You podcast. Hi everybody, this is Brother Robert Johnson from the podcast Whence Came You and the editor of the Midnight Freemasons blog, bringing you this exclusive look at Masonic Conspiracy right here on the Winding Stairs with Brother Juan Sepulveda. For this one, let's return to a few weeks back when we ended the government shutdown. You probably guess what I'm going to mention. That's right, Diane Reedy. In case you missed it, Diane Reedy is a court stenographer. That is, she is someone who 
is never heard much because she's busy typing up all that goes on in the government sessions. In this particular outburst, she grabbed a microphone and yelled out, quote, The greatest deception here is this is not one nation under God. It never was. Had it been, it would not have been. The Constitution would not have been written by Freemasons. You cannot serve two masters. End quote. This started a small fire within the Masonic community as we prepared for the backlash of conspiracy theorists. Diane's statements seem to imply that the American people have been deceived in that we are not one nation under God because if we were, then the Constitution would not have been written by Freemasons and hence not written at all. No one is sure what she was getting at. However, PrisonPlanet.com, a website run by conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, is speculating that in a video of the proceeding, she seems to be under Masonic mind control. The notes on the video that he has reads, quote, A man with white hair appears to give Reedy a nod, causing her demeanor to immediately shift as she enters a trance-like state before walking toward the podium to deliver her rant. A black man sat opposite appears to react to Reedy's strange behavior. The man then immediately goes to his cell phone to send a text message. Well, after much heated debate in the past weeks, I can say that Masons were not behind this one. We were too busy planning the pancake breakfast. Thank you to Brother Robert Johnson for another great installment of Masonic Conspiracies. I don't know how I feel about him revealing our Masonic pancake secrets, but... I want to thank him for always providing us with some some good content. It's amazing what we can find out there about our fraternity. That's why it's so important that we put together content that's very valuable, transparent, and helps people see what we're really all about. Brother Robert Johnson is the producer of Whence Came You podcast. You can learn more about it at wcypodcast.com. He is also the managing editor of The Midnight Freemasons, and you can find more about The Midnight Freemasons at midnightfreemasons.blogspot.com. I wanted to take a brief moment to also extend my condolences to the Midnight Freemasons family. They just recently lost a contributor, a brother and friend, Brother Scott Nickham. He was called to the Celestial Lodge above, but his light continues to shine. Also, I wanted to let you know that the second portion of the interview with Brother Joseph James will be featured next week on our following episode. Uh, the conversation was very interesting. We discussed so many topics, and I had to break it up into two episodes. So I hope you join me again and listen to the next episode. Episode 13 should include the second portion. And in it, we talk about the the three movies that he's produced with the subject matter of Freemasonry, um, among many other things. You really don't want to miss it. So check out that next episode. Also, I want to invite you to learn more about the projects from Brother Joseph James, the upcoming movie, which, as I record this, should be premiering in Utah. It's a they're gonna. They will have two showings of this movie in front of many uh, movie executives. The official release date for the movie is still pending. Make sure you stay connected with us at the Winding Stairs. Make sure you visit thefreemasonmovie.com or follow Brother Joseph James on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Joseph James Films. 
He also has an exclusive page for the movie. It's facebook.com slash the Freemason movie. And also, if you use Twitter, you can follow him at Joseph James News. You can follow us at Winding Stairs 33. Don't worry, you don't have to memorize all of those addresses. They will be included conveniently in the show notes for this episode. You can find that at thewindingstairs.com slash 012. I finally wanted to mention uh, a few takeaways that I... I got out of this interview and this episode, one is the importance of mentorship. If you are new to the fraternity, if you're in your earlier steps towards the East, very important for you to connect with a brother that is uh, much more experienced, that has a lot more information and knows more about the fraternity to help you in your journey to light. Also, if you are an experienced brother with many years in the fraternity. Remember where you were when you began and how valuable it is for a mentor to pair up with an apprentice or a new member. Also, dreaming big was a subject that was interlaced within the communication. Uh, Brother Joseph James had this dream late in his life in con- in comparison to many other Hollywood executives that perhaps either have family in the business or perhaps have dreamt of being in the movie business for many, many years. This is something that he began working on less than a decade ago, and he already has three films that he has worked on from beginning to end. So if that is not an inspiring story, I don't know what is. So if you have a dream, if you have a goal in mind, be be diligent about setting it in front of you, writing down the steps necessary to achieve it, and seek the mentorship of other people that have experience in that field or that particular subject matter. Go out there, make your dreams happen. You got one life to live. I hope you live it to the best of your ability and that you continue to make us part of that journey. So join me again next time as we continue our journey up the winding stairs.